Before we go in once again to uh, David McParland and, and his brilliance, uh, what's your happiest memory of working at the Mail? Was it 2012, the London Olympics? Very hard to pin down. If you go to actually a better time for us was, was 2014, because I'd just become head of sport around about that time, if memory serves me right. And we had the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow in the summer, and then we had the Ryder Cup at Glen Eagles shortly after that in the tail end of September. The Commonwealth Games, I suppose it's a kind of Scottish trait that everyone is a bit cynical of, of things, ah, it's not going to be. Not gonna, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna be any good. It'll be pouring with rain. It'll be this. It'll be that. The Commonwealth Games in Glasgow 2014 was a fantastic, magical experience. The sun shone. The whole city was in a party atmosphere. Um, I can remember getting a train home one night after a late shift, finishing at about about back of eleven o'clock, half eleven, and the train was mobbed of happy people from all over the country and the wider world. And it was fantastic. And I look back on, on that experience. And what we did as a newspaper at that time, uh, and I think that was the that was a, a particular high, hard work, but, but we produced some great stuff. And it was on the back of the fact that the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow was such a success. And you just kind of come down from that high and then you went up again for the Ryder Cup at, uh, at Glen Eagles with Paul McGinley and what have you. Mm-hmm. So that, that period was probably the best the, 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 the best time. There have been other highs and lows as well. For sure. But um, I, I look back on that time as, uh, as being my most, uh, something I was most proud of. I, I was on the way back from some Olympic events. <laughs> Um, in 2012 in London, but also every time there's a London marathon, and we're talking the weekend before, uh, the marathon's in about 10 days, and it's the best day of the year in London, not just because everything's shut, but just the the atmosphere is visible. The world changes on London Marathon Day, and it's such a great addition to the city. Yeah. Um, yeah but... I thought about, that, about Glasgow. At that time, I thought Glasgow was mm-hmm. its best. Yeah, uh, and it's a, it's a fine I'm city. Sure a great city. Unfortunately, I am biased because I lived in the east of Scotland and I, I never went to Glasgow. The, fact, the first time I went to Glasgow, I was so scared I'd be mugged that I didn't take any wallet or any phone. I got on the coach home from a gig at midnight. Who was on the coach back to Edinburgh? Girls allowed fans. I think I probably slept on the coach home. It was so peaceful. Um, but yeah, Glasgow is... I've, I've, been there several times now and it's it's walkable much like edinburgh they've cleaned it up yeah. since the commonwealth next year birmingham the same or is it 24 yeah. no it's next year isn't it birmingham next year yeah 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 uh-huh. yeah. yeah they're rebuilding that city when i went a couple of years ago it was everywhere was cranes and um high-vis jackets but i will i will go to birmingham maybe i'll see you there if you are editing on site where's office where's your well, times I mean- office is it at home or is it in well, the way the world at the moment is, is, is a bit of both. It's at home and it's also in um, uh, not far from, um, even though we maybe don't know Glasgow well, but there's a famous statue that always has a cone in its head. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Wellington. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's about 100 yards from there. So a very central, good office in, uh, in Glasgow. Oh, that's fab. And yeah, well, I will read some of your, uh, the Scottish literature, especially about, any golfers or 
athletes in the next few months. Uh, it's the times.co.uk. Subscription is very affordable considering uh, and some of the best writers in British journalism work at this paper, including the sport. Um, whose columns do you enjoy reading the most of your colleagues at the Times, your new colleagues? Well, I'll tell you who I've become a big fan of. Uh, I've always been a fan of, um, of, of, of Michael Grant, who's an excellent columnist. But, um, Mike, this is a strange one, because many people who know me will, go, will be surprised by this, but Michael Atherton's cricket column has become my personal favourite. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not a cricket fan. That's all. I'm not. I'm not. I just uh, not a big cricket supporter. Uh, but I become. I become. I've suddenly uh, got a new. Uh, a new admiration for uh, the former England cricket captain and how he turns. How he turns his hand to uh, to writing and everything. He's. Uh, I think he's. I think he's. Uh, he's excellent. Yep. Manchester Grammar School, Cambridge University. Definitely Mike Brearley's. Uh-huh. Air and he was vicious this week. Uh, we're talking just after England have pulled out of a tour of Pakistan, which again doesn't look like the ECB are very smart there. But they've gone look over there, talk about changing batsmen to batter instead. Uh-huh. Biggest load of crap. Uh, enough cricket. Uh, let's talk about Davy <laughs> McParland. Who should, should he be mentioned um, with Jim McLean, Jock Steen, Alec Ferguson? Well. To be brutally honest, probably not. You know, you can put him in that uh, in that realm. However, what he achieved, you know, he was only thirty six at the time of the cup final, and he'd been in the job about eighteen months. This all had been relegated for the first time the season before. Scott Simon had been the manager, and um, and he was moved aside to, uh, to to give Davy McParland the job, and he set about creating a team around um, young. Players um, in the likes of John Hanson, Alan Ruff, the goalkeeper, was only 19, uh, Ronnie Glav and Dennis McQuaid, young people. But then he had a, he had a sort of old, couple of older heads in there in the shape of Hugh Strachan and Frank Coulston and Aldrey, the, 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 the captain. And he created this uh, young team and a style of play that effectively was very positive, very easy in the eye, very attack-minded, the principle, I suppose, being... If you've got the ball, the opposition can't hurt you. Mm-hmm. And he trusted, he trusted these young players just, just go out and and perform. Now it didn't instantly, you know, it wasn't an instant success because when we were uh, in the sort of lower division, we had, we did have some sort of short defeats. And the book actually starts with a chap who I spoke to called Robert Reed, who's a very well known Patrick Thistle in with a Brexit for Hill guy, and he recalls um, going to meet. Uh, Dave McParland in a, in a in a in a coffee shop, and he was he was troubled with what he was going to say to him because things are not going particularly well. And the conversation is around um, Dave McParland saying to him, "Look, don't worry, just trust these guys, just trust them, give them a bit of time. They're out of the spotlight of the top division, so they can learn without being under too much pressure." And they will, they will come good. And he was right. I mean, I don't think we lost a home game all season that time. And we were promoted. Our first, our first league game was against Rangers at Farrell. We beat them 3-2. So we had, you know, David Parham had created a style of play and built a team that was positive, attack-minded, had a little bit of flair, was a bit, you know, fly to the seat of the pants. But it worked. And I don't think... I mean, he's been, he gets the credit 
with most Thistle fans whatever, but I think generally part of the theme of this book and why I wanted to write it was the fact that I don't think this Partick Thistle team and what they achieved that day really gets the credit it deserves. Well, I describe it as the Scottish football's JFK moment because some of half the team nearly are part-time, are 4-0 up against Jockstein's Celtic who are a, who are a mix of some of the Lisbon Lions who are still there and this quality street gang of Ken Douglas, Lou McCarry, David Hay to a certain extent, Harry Hood. They were European champions four years previously. They've been to the final the year or so previous to that. What Thistle achieved that day was, was astonishing. It's properly been given its proper place. Everyone, we talk about shock in Scottish football, everyone says Berwick beating Rangers. I'm not taking away from that at all, uh, but I just think given the occasion that Thistle uh, and what Dave McParland did with that team and uh, it was a National Cup final and everything that went with it, I believe that's the biggest shock in Scottish football. And the biggest compliment to pay Pardick Thistle that day, who beat Celtic 4-1, is that Rangers were playing at Ibrox and Rangers fans yeah. left the ground, pelted it yeah. to Hamden in order to get yeah. in and maybe to gloat at Celtic, you'd think. But no, just but, to but, see... Celtic, yes. Something's never changed. Um, Jackie McNamara Woods not playing in Caligo Ballistic Celtic are atrocious. The game that it's been described yeah. as one of the shocks of football because it gave that headline uh, as a yes. gift. But also, things were not right at Celtic. John Barnes was in charge. The, the dressing room was yeah. askew. The reason Celtic lost, and a contributory factor to it, aside from Partick's brilliance at scoring four times in the first 40 minutes, was that the great Billy McNeil the heart of the Lionhearts, uh, was missing. Um, yes. If you've got a team, you don't have a squad game, you have the same 11 more or less every week, if you lose one of the cogs, is it like a watch stops working? Well, it's interesting because Celtic had played a European game on the Wednesday or something against a Maltese side, and McNeil hadn't played in that game either, and they weren't very, very comfortably. <clears throat> They'd gone down to Seamill, um, their, their sort of base for every big, big game or after, after that European game. And um, I spoke to uh, Jim Craig, the Celtic player who was uh, who was the only substitute on the cup final day and came on for Jimmy Jones. And he wondered whether, if it had been anyone other than Patrick Thistle, whether Billy McNeil might have played. And there's probably some, some truth in that. But if you take out a pillar of that defence or like Billy McNeil, the players who come in are, 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 are obviously not as good, but you take away his leadership and whatever. And I think that was a key thing for the Thistle players that um, and many of them say they didn't get a boost from it because they knew the players coming in were equally as good, and that's that's probably true. But there is little doubt that if you took Billy McNeil out of that defence, and I'm thinking back to some of the goals that we scored, and there's certainly the, 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 the Jimmy Bowden's goal, the... Um, the, the, the fourth goal um, when he just goes in between two statuesque uh, Celtic defenders that wouldn't have happened if Billy McNeil had been there but I don't know that that, that, that aside Thistle pummeled Celtic for that 45 minutes opening 45 minutes so they were that good that Billy McNeil might have been uh, if, had Billy McNeil been there we might have been only 3-0 up at half time yeah. we'd have still been up we'd have still been up yeah, I, I just wanted you to make clear that from the telling of it, it, it's the stuff of Roy of the Rovers. I spoke to Tom Palmer 
um, who is writing Roy of the Rovers books at the moment. And the, gr- the great thing for Partick, as well as McNeil missing, an accidental clash means Jinky Johnson has to come off. Jinky Johnson sounds like a Roy of the Rovers villain. But yeah, though, yeah. this is a guy who was humongously respected. The crowd would come to see him, kind of the Scottish Stan Matthews. But that's the best thing that could have happened because it just gave freedom for... Oh, who was being told to man-mark him? Well, it's interesting because we speak to the back four, they were all man-marking him at some point. <laughs> yeah, of course. It, it, it should have been probably Alex Forsyth, uh, but equally the other fullback, John Hansen, talks about um, about uh, uh, coming up against Jinky Johnson. Jinky Johnson was a genius of a player. Genius of a player, arguably the greatest player Scotland has ever produced. Mm-hmm. And he took a knock from Ronnie Glavin and he had a gash in his knee. And that was his his his, his game was over that day. That is without Bill McNeil and start and Jimmy Johnson. It would be naive to think that Thistle didn't get a huge boost by that. And you you mentioned John Hansen. This is yes. the Hansen whose younger brother would become a really really good golfer and also a football defender and pundit. And you spoke to, to Al Hansen, who was one of my favourite. I preferred him to Andy Gray. And it's a shame that kids these days do not know how good a pundit Alan Hansen was. How good a footballer was John Hansen? John Hansen was... Bear in mind, I'm 50 now, so when the final was played, I was only three months old. Uh, so I didn't see a lot of John Hansen, but taken from what they said, what his teammates said, John Hansen was a formidable attacking fullback. Yeah, he sounds modern. Um, Sounds very modern. Yes, yeah. He could be. I think Ronnie Glavin describes him as saying he would be a brilliant middle distance runner, mm-hmm. in that he had that um, stamina, he had that energy, um, and the, the two fullbacks could, could go up and down that that uh, either side all day, ninety minutes, even you know one little up in a game with two minutes to go, they'd still be, they still had it in their mindset to to attack. But John. At some point in a few few years after the final, started suffering from injuries. Um, I've got bad injuries, as I understand it, and um, <clears throat> perhaps it didn't have the career his his uh, talents probably deserved because he he battled injuries. But he made he played for Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure he got his Scotland debut in the same day, same game against Belgium as Kenny Dalglish. I'm pretty sure that's true. So he is. He was a a, a classy. Uh, fullback John Hansen. Uh, and uh, one of the books in the Football Library, which is read in the audiobook by Peter Capaldi, is Kenny Dalglish's autobiography. And I, I should have gone back and read what King Kenny said about that game because he didn't lose much after that game. Might be the only no. game he lost apart from Scotland in the World Cup. But yeah, young Kenny Dalglish must have been, who yeah. is not far behind Jinky Johnson from what I hear in the greatest Scottish yeah. football players of the era or ever. Well, Kenny, Kenny Douglas, who was young at that time, just, just breaking into the uh, into the Celtic team. They have a Celtic team who arguably uh, would have the two greatest Scottish players of all time in it. Um, and Douglas obviously scored the goal late on in the game. Well, it's 70-odd minutes in the game. It's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a scarf. But um, uh, Kenny Douglas went on to be a... A genius of a player with uh, with Liverpool. I need to I need to watch all those clips. Jimmy Greaves has just passed away, and the Times were among the Mail actually was terrific as well. But big warmth for Jimmy Greaves. Would you have watched Saint and Greavesy? So we'll get back to Dalglee shortly. But while we're on Greavesy, yes, did you watch I it? I did watch Saint and Greavesy. Saint and Greavesy was did someone describe him? Was it uh, Alison Butler? Ali Gayer. Yeah, yeah. Ant and Dick 
of uh, football. It was, it was great stuff, as I recall. You remember all these things as uh, uh, housing days and what have you, but I remember St. Gravesy and roaring with laughter and um, he'd start, Gravesy would start talking about one thing and meander into something else and he had a great sense of humour. Great, him and, the, him and Ian St. John's brilliant double act. Yeah, and um, the YouTube is the repository for that. Um, but Dalgleish was the player of his... Well, the end of the 70s, was there a better player playing in England than Dalgleish? Not at all. I don't think there was a better player playing in Europe for him and Kenny Dalgleish in his poem. He was an apps. Some of the goals he scored, he always was criticised for, um, for not playing as well for Scotland as he did for, for Liverpool, which... It seems that good players always get that sort of criticism. But Douglas, in his prime, was an absolute genius of a footballer. Had a huge backside and just shielded the ball and you couldn't get it off him. Yep, famous arse. A lot of... Famous arse, famous yeah. arse. That yeah. would be That would be a, a best 11 for the times. Famous arses. Scottish arses. <laughs> um, we should also say Billy Connolly. I might take you up on that, guy. I'm, I'm a freelance. If you want me to do 1500 for good price... <laughs> Than I can. Um, Billy Connolly's got a memoir out. What a ridiculous publishing decision. We know. We know everything about Billy Connolly's life. Why do we need a memoir? Well, another, another legend, great uh, observer of Scottish culture. We did an interview with uh, Billy Connolly in the mail bef- not, not long before I departed. Uh, a, a, a football one. You know, I wouldn't, he was probably at Hamden in 1971. I bet he was. Hmm. And he probably made yeah, jokes about Celtic after the game. Well, he makes jokes about as everybody does, Johnny. He makes jokes about Patrick Thistle because he calls him Patrick Thistle FC because everyone thinks the real name's Patrick Thistle Mill. Which, uh, so, uh, like everybody, he makes uh, uh, Patrick Thistle have suffered the, the uh, humorous hands of Mister Billy Conway. Which is probably but that's the great thing about Thistle. Thistle are a bit of a everyone has a soft spot for them. Everyone has a joke about them. Um, but this was a proper, proper football team. Proper football team with a big support. But the mascot. Uh, oh, I suppose the mascot is there because it's jagged. Well, I can remember the first time I saw Kingsley thinking, what on earth? What on earth are they thinking about? But it's been a, it's been a, a, a marketing genius because Kingsley's been on television all over the world. And everybody knows who the Thistle mascot is. So, it's a bit of genius getting Kingsley. Yep. Credit where it's due. I'd love to find out the marketing genius. Credit where it's due because uh, it has worked uh, marketing wonders. Indeed. You think Partick, you think of Kingsley. Um, Although you should think of 1971, What a Sensation, which is Lorne Gardner's new book. And you can hear multiple accounts and interviews and you could read the book which is available for £14.99 uh, we haven't really spoken about Alex Ray whose old club Berry now don't exist in its old form he seems to be the silky Scottish parser that, that I don't know Darren Fletcher is was he was, he was uh, he would be called I suppose now uh, a holding midfielder but he was the leader of that team he was a captain of that team talks with great um uh, enthusiasm, great pride about leading Partick Thistle out in that uh, that day in that cup final. Uh, he says, "If you look at my look at my face in the pictures as I'm running out, it looks as if someone's stolen my favourite sweeties." He was just 
such a inspirational uh, captain for Partick Thistle that they couldn't have had anyone better to lead that team. And I, um, I should say he is the the cover of the book is the photograph of. Um, uh, the team winning the game. The person with the, the the teeth all over the place, with the two teeth missing, is that Jimmy Bone? Uh, I, don't, you know, I don't have it in front of me, but yes, I think it is Jimmy Bone. And next yeah. to him is Alex Ray holding the cup, I would imagine. Uh, someone's got the cup on their head. Jimmy, Jimmy Bone is holding a champagne bottle. Uh, yeah, and Dennis McQuaid is holding what appears to be a champagne flute, which is, uh, you know, so they're not drinking out of the bottle, they've got proper glasses. Very nice. Uh, and the rest, of, the rest of the team are all uh, standing up uh, on the benches behind them. Um, so it's a very famous, uh, very famous photograph. And indeed, there is a. You've done well. I didn't expect that, but I was scrolling through it, uh, scrolling through this book, and there's a photo uh, section. I went, "Oh, brilliant! Some action shots." Dennis McQuaid pounces on the loose ball after a corner, and you've, it's a great action shot of the Celtic number three. Uh, probably Tommy Gamble. There we go. Ah. Yeah, Ray wearing number 10. Um, and this is, yeah, Partick Thistle, who were a team made up in the year before um, this cup final, uh, the league cup final. Deadwood and rough diamonds full of potential. Partick took ordinary lads and educated them. Well, the, and these really were ordinary lads. Quick, quick quiz. Uh, what st- subjects did McQuaid study at Glasgow Uni? should know this is it french and mathematics very good uh he was an ex-theology student people called him the madness but what was a nicer nickname for him well i think his favorite nickname is madness but was it the mad monk mad monk is right um the very scottish center backs that you i don't think you can get more scottish than campbell and strachan which of those worked at a steel company uh jackie campbell is a contracts manager a full-time contracts manager. So this was his weekend job, winning cup finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But if you go through the team, so Jackie Campbell was a contracts manager. Dennis McQuaid was a student. Jimmy Bone, uh, on the morning of the cup final, should have been coming off the night shift at the, at the, at the pit he worked on. He had gone back to being part-time to finish his training as an electrician in the pits. So he, he, they'd given him the night off, but he should have been coming off the night shift at 6 o'clock on the Saturday morning. Frank Coulson's a, 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 the PE teacher at Bishop Briggs High School. Yeah. You know, so half the team are, uh, are, are, are part-time. And, that, and that's, that's the magic of it. I just wanted to get across the point of the book or the premise of the book, Johnny, was to start as... I wanted it to, to be the day, just the day, from dawn till dusk. Now, it kind of morphed into something a bit more than that. But fundamentally, it is that day. It is the likes of John Hansen com- coming with his um, from uh, his in-laws' home with his new wife from Tullibuddy to get on a bus at the end of the road, a bus to Stirling train station, the train to Glasgow, up to Farhill to drop uh, his wife off where the wife and partners were at their own um pre-match meal and then going on to um, to a place called Esquire House in, in, in Glasgow where the team were meeting up you know Alan Ruff at 19 he's taking a BB football team on the Saturday morning um, and then going back to his mum and dad's flat where she's insisting he has a big breakfast and he gets on the bus a useless the f- bus. a useless so, football uh, team by the way not because of Ruffy but they didn't do very well they didn't do very well 
Lloyd's recollection, they didn't do particularly well. But he then gets on the corporation bus, which is full of Celtic fans, uh, to take him to Esquire House to meet the team. And, and, um, and no one knows who he is on the bus. No one knows who he is. And uh, there's, a, there's a, I won't spoil it, but there's a good interaction between Ruffy and a, a, a Celtic fan on the bus. So I, what I wanted to get was the ordinariness yeah. of this uh, Thistle team. Um, and their ordinary lives and their ordinary background, as opposed to the Celtic team that is that is cosseted and watchword of the current era in a bubble. You know they're down at Sea Mill, down on the on the coast. There, they're away from all that. They're, they're very much being looked after and what have you. And but the, the, the Thistle team is the complete opposite of that. Yet they go on to absolutely shock the world of football by going. It wasn't that they won one 0 and, and they got a fluky deflection off some defender's backside. They were four 0 up at half time. Could have been five. What was the word you use? Scroff? Scroff? Is that the word for us? Like a skew with shot? Scroff. Scroff. Yes. Sorry, a very Scottish one, but scroff. Oh, that's yeah. brilliant! I'd never heard that. Five years in Edinburgh, you'd expect that I'd have heard that word. But uh-huh. uh, it's, just, uh, yeah, just scroff off a backside it means I'm. Poorly hit shot, so it can apply in golf as well. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, well, Alan Hansen doesn't hit those. Um, no, but I was going to spoke to Alan Hansen as well, because he was, uh, I think he was 15 at the time, and he'd been to all the games and they're up to the final, and um, he was there to obviously watch his brother play. And, and John is convinced that that day and the success of Thistle that day was the was the key factor in Alan Hansen deciding because he wanted to be a professional golfer, and I think the, John insists that it was the, the 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 passion and the experience of that day that flipped yeah. Alan Hansen to becoming a a footballer. And um, well, he did quite well, I suppose, Alan Hansen as a footballer. Yeah, you, you never win anything with golf. Sixty-two thousand yeah. people. I suppose you get sixty-two thousand at the Open, but at Hamden. Alan calls it an out-of-body experience. Archie McPherson was astonished. He says it was a mirage. And this yeah. was the day. Um, 50 years ago, what a sensation. Uh, with Partick Thistle winning the Scottish League Cup uh, and denying this Celtic team full of Lions and Quality Street. Um, yeah. We haven't really spoken about Ruffy, but his book, The Rough and the Smooth, is in the Football Library. The record appearance yes. holder with how many appearances? Oh, God, I'm going to have to guess off the top of my head. Begins oh, with a six. 640. Ooh, 16 games out. 624. Oh. 624. Uh-huh. And I'm sure that in recent years, current Jag Stuart Bannigan is going to yes. be the players' representative who, who played in the 2013 team and is still there. Um, yes. So he must know all the guys. Is he a Partick fan, Bannigan? I really have no idea. I suppose he's been there that long. He's become one now. Yep. He's been a very good servant to Stuart Bannigan. And uh, has suffered a bit with a couple of bad injuries and, and come back. Um, so um, he was at the heart of our midfield, Stuart Bannigan. So, um, yeah. The other striker to mention is Chris Doolan, who scored 121 goals in the last decade. Another club legend. But would he be able, I wanted to know, because I usually ask fans of particular teams, and I've got to tick off Partick Thistle with a jagged tick, will um, Chris Doolan be able to displace any of that, well, front four who played in 71 in the best ever Partick team? Well, well, 
Bulls is away from us now. Um, so Motherwell? Christon was up at our both. I don't know where he's gone now. Hmm. But Christon uh, was uh, was an absolute legend with the club. Uh, he scored a barrel load of goals. Scores when he wants. Christon, this is, uh, he was an absolute legend for us. Would he get in this? Uh, what was the question? Would he get in this legend? Yeah, would he displace so- the likes of Laurie Bone or even Gibson, who didn't play that day? Well, Johnny Gibson came. He came on uh, late on. There was a didn't start. He didn't start. That's correct. And there was he, he possibly should have started. Could have started in place of Dennis McQuaid. But Dennis had um, had scored two goals in the uh, in the semi final against a Falkirk team that included Sir Alex Ferguson or just playing Alex Ferguson as he was then. Yeah, big Al. Yeah. So Dennis had Dennis had cemented his his cup final place, and John Gibson paid the price for that. But he came on. Um, John Gibson sort of midway th- through the second half last stage of the second half basically to keep the ball because Johnny Gibson was that good a player that you could just give him the ball and he would he would take it for a walk Alex Ray says in the book that if John Gibson had had consistency in his in his in his armoury he wouldn't have been playing for Partick Thistle because he was he was that he was that good a player much as I would like to say so no I don't think Dules would uh, would squeeze into this uh, Starting 11. Which is a shame. Um, and then what happened? Did Partick qualify for a European competition, the Cup Winners Cup? They did. As many serves, they played 100. Oh, there, was wow. a, there was a whole um, rigmarole about whether um, the League Cup would get them into Europe, but they played 100. But they also went on a, a tour to Malaysia, played in front of Which and it whets my appetite. I'm just looking at what happened the next season. Thirteenth in the first division, and uh, UEFA Cup. Yeah, it lost three 0 against Homved, seven one on aggregate. Oh no, that's seventeen thousand. Sorry. I think Alan Ross claimed to fame is he's played in a European uh, tie uh, twice. He played once for Thistle against Homved, and he played when he was at Celtic late, late on in his career. Yeah. He played in a European game against Homved. So the only two teams, the only two ties he's played in Europe, he played the same team. That's that is. Well, I'll have to read the book, The Rough and the Smooth. Uh, would you recommend any other literature about Partick, uh, especially um, the history of? Is it Stuart Deans? Well, Stuart Deans was such a huge help to me in the putting together of this book because Stuart Deans has was able to to, to source for me. A, a remarkable um, four, five, six, seven scrapbooks of cuttings from that 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 time, and it was such a huge help because my intention had been to go to the Mitchell Library in Glasgow, where all the newspaper cuttings are done, and do some research through that. Because of lockdown, you couldn't do that. I could not have done this book if Stuart Deans hadn't appeared. If I hadn't been introduced to Stuart Deans, and he was able to source these. Um, this, uh, these cuttings for me because sadly Dave McBarlow no, no longer with us but I use um, with a little bit of artistic licence and I hope no one's upset by it I use the cuttings 
and the quotes and the interviews that that, that he gave um, at the time as part of the narrative of the story, so that he is uh, very much involved with it. And I had a lovely conversation with his daughter as well, Yvonne, who who was able to uh, shed light what the family was doing uh, uh, on the day of the final and, and what have you. So um, Stuart Inch was such a good a good help to me and. Um, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't really have done it if he hadn't been able to source these cuttings for me. Yeah, I'm only sorry I mentioned him so late in this show. Um, please, 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 please. 1971, what a sensation. 14.99 in a paperback. Uh, you can find it at jmdmedia.co.uk and on that website that doesn't pay its tax. Would you pref- Would you get more money if people order it through JMD? I've absolutely no idea. Money isn't the motivating factor. I think uh, if you, you only make money if you write books about boy wizards, I think. Mm. So, um, uh, so I, I've absolutely no idea. I just hope, I hope people, you know, get the book and pass the book to friends and whatever, and Thistle fans who, who read it. And, and I think any football fan who reads it will enjoy the story, but I just hope they enjoy the book. As I said to you earlier on in our conversation, I found the whole thing. I find this part of it now incredibly daunting because A, I wanted to tell the story of the, 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 the team of 1971. It's not a statistical thing. doesn't say how many times he played in the final, how many times he kicked him his left foot or his right foot. There are Thistle fans out there far more qualified to talk, talk about the um, the statistics and the detail of, of Partick Thistle Football Club. What I wanted to do with this book was to tell the story of these well, the 12 guys in the team that day and the manager and their story, their background, their build-up to it, their experiences of the cup final and, and what happened with them latterly. And I hope I achieved that and I hope if anyone does buy the book, and please do, that they enjoy it. I certainly did. And happy Golden Jubilee to that great Jags team of 1971 who have been celebrated this last weekend and in this month. And uh, you can learn about them yourselves. Uh, thanks to Lawn Gardner's wonderful book. It was and is a sensation. That's like the library.